Hey Jess. How are you? Wonderful. Um, I know this probably this wasn't on camera, but I was holding something that I was going to show you. But then, what did you just do to my hand? I just grabbed it because it was like shaking so bad. So I told Melissa today that um, uh, Kate, my daughter, I was doing doing something in the morning, like with making breakfast or helping her pack her lunch, and I I was doing something quickly, but I was very like disconnected at the time and I like made this weird motion and she's like your glitches are so funny and I just started dying laughing and I was like she's like is that your Parkinson's and I was like yeah it is she's like I'm sorry I'm like no it's okay I'm like she's glitches like, huh because she and she she demonstrated she's like you just went like this and put your foot up and it's just because I get like it's just weird out. in the morning but anyways um off topic kind of not off topic but what we're going to talk about today we have an interview coming up is uh about probiotics and gut health you love to talk about gut health i do i'm a strong believer that it has something to do with the gut well i when we're going to ask um martha carlin is who we're bringing on we're going to ask her about um growling of your stomach and if that has anything to do with it because you made that connection one time i'm like that's not the same no it was like it's ridiculous yeah but so we're going to talk about gut health Welcome to The Secret Life of Parkinson's, a podcast created by people living with Parkinson's to help break the stigma of a disease no one likes to talk about. Now here are your hosts, Jessica Krauser and Brian Baker. Um, so joining us today is Martha Carlin. Martha, hello. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me today. And um, I really just want to jump right in in terms of because uh, you have a very interesting background of how you got into um, probiotics and gut health. Um, so I, I just want to let you kind of just tell that side of your story and then we'll talk about what your probiotics have done. And I've been on them now for two and a half months. So I'll talk more about that in a minute. But why don't you just give us like your, your history of like what you do and how did you get here? Sure. So actually my my background in training in school uh, was in accounting. Um, <laughs> I came out of school and went to work for Arthur Anderson in their auditing and consulting department. And uh, one of the things that they taught us there was this methodology of how to look at a business for identifying business risk. And we would draw these flow charts of everything that's going through the business, who touches it, where there could be a potential breakpoint. And so that taught me a lot about systems and how everything is interconnected. And I went on from my career at Arthur Anderson to um, a commercial real estate operations. Uh, and I was what's kind of called a turnaround expert. So they would bring me in to turn around troubled businesses. But along the way in 2002, my 44 year old husband, John, was diagnosed with Parkinson's when our children were two and four. And then I had an older child that was um, nine years older than our four-year-old. So 13, I guess. Um, and uh, I, you know, we went, I actually diagnosed it before the doctor uh -huh. diagnosed it. And when we went to the neurologist, the neurologist said, you know what I'm going to tell you don't you? And I said, yeah. He said, you should be a neurologist. And it it had started out with him with just um, like a loss of facial expression for me was one of the big clues um, because of the way um, 
that expression, you know, mm-hmm. when somebody's looking at you mm-hmm. and you feel their emotion and their love and um, it was gone. Yeah. And now, had you been exposed had, to Parkinson's previous to that? How did, how did you know to look for those signs? Well, I, interestingly, I had read uh, Michael J. Fox's first book that same year. And then I read another little more stressful book called Saving Millie by um, a news anchor from CNN, Mort Kondracki. Um, and so I've read those two books. And so I had kind of in the back of my mind um, some of those symptoms mm-hmm. and that loss of facial expression. And he had a tiny little tremor in his pinky and a little tremor in his tongue. Huh. And of course, and this is nothing against neurologists, but they're, you know, they're, they have a certain air to that. Like not all of them, but many of them are very just kind of matter of fact Mm -hmm. and hold with the facts. You have Parkinson's, it's progressive. There's nothing you can really do except here, take this drug, you know, here's a couple of brochures. And of course I'm a turnaround expert. I'm a problem solver. And so I went home with within 24 hours. I mean, this was 2002. I was deep into the internet. I was ordering books. I, you know, I had my stack of books I was reading and um, started to kind of think about Parkinson's in the way that I thought about business, which is what's flowing through the system. Mm -hmm. So of course, food and water are the main things flowing through the system. And most of our, um, you know, in medical school, they don't really teach much nutrition Mm -hmm. or anything about food or nutrients. I mean, I think they get one three hour Mm -hmm. credit course or something on that, you know, unless they decide to take more coursework. Mm -hmm. So there's very little, um, understanding of that and of course that's the fuel that drives everything in our body and i um john was a marathon runner and he you know when you're running those marathons they suck on that goo which is a lot of fructose um and they carb load and um you know just sort of the whole diet he was also drinking these soy protein shakes so i kind of started down the rabbit hole of looking at corn and soy because these were kind of two of the main ingredients flowing through the system. Mm -hmm. And that's when I sort of had this epiphany about all the herbicides in food and threw everything out and we went organic. It was interesting because his tremor went away um, when we changed our food. Um, And his progression was really pretty slow. He Mm -hmm. was in a clinical trial for uh, uh, the precept trial that was supposed to slow the progress. And they told us when we would go do the brain scans that he was like in the 99th percentile in terms of slow progression and how well he was doing. And I I thought that had to do a lot with food. So I continued to read and research about um, genetically modified foods, how we were were modifying foods, Mm -hmm. what kinds of genes we were putting in there. And you know, deeper and deeper into the herbicides. And you may have seen in the last, I would say less than six months, there have been several um, big news announcements about connections to um, 
specific herbicides and pesticides mm-hmm. and Parkinson's disease. And I actually got to know Beata Ritz at UCLA, who had identified um, what's called Parkinson's Alley, which is in the Central Valley of California. And that's where 50% of the produce in America is grown. And she had done all of this epidemiological research on the increase in Parkinson's in- You You call it Parkinson's Alley? It's called Parkinson's Alley. Actually, I have a a personal blog where I write about Parkinson's and that's called Martha's Quest. Yeah. And there's a blog post in there about Parkinson's Alley and about some of her work. Um, So, you know, I'm learning all this stuff Mm -hmm. and putting it, you know, putting the pieces together. And then in 2014, I read a book called Missing Microbes by Dr. Martin Blazer. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the rise in all these chronic diseases uh, with the onset of um, antibiotics. So the overuse of antibiotics in medicine, as well as in the food supply. And I was like, that's it because- There's antibiotics in food supply? Oh yeah, they use antibiotics as growth promoters in uh, cows and uh, pigs and uh, you give uh, you give an antibiotic and they'll gain weight faster. Oh. So there's, you know, I went down that rabbit hole too. But I also knew from talking to people with Parkinson's, I had talked to many people with Parkinson's who had had chronic strep infections as children hmm. or some people who had had acne and had taken antibiotics for their acne for, you know, sometimes two or three years. And I had 23andMe actually go into their data and look for a correlation. And they did find a statistically significant um, correlation with the number of strep infections, four or more strep infections and Parkinson's disease. Um, And so that was like this big epiphany and about uh, later that year at the end of 2014, Dr. Philip Shepperhans, a neurologist in Finland, published the first paper where he showed he could identify, there's two different types of Parkinson's, I'm sure you know, tremor dominant and posture and gait. Mm -hmm. And he was able to separate them by the bacteria in their gut. And I said, that's it. The gut is the general ledger, back to my accounting. I'm quitting my job and I'm gonna go look at this. And that's what I did. So I don't, did you know that they broke it out into two like that, tremor dominant and gait? I know there's, I've always heard of tremor dominant and then like rigidity. I never heard that. I mean, it makes sense. Pig, I think is what they call it, but it's posture and gait, which is the more rigidity. Huh. Because that's like one of the things that always bothers me is like, there's so many different kinds of like who deals with what and how you're progressing and this and that. So, okay. So you went and in 2014, that's when you switched your career and then you, it led you down a path to start a company and you started making probiotics. Well, so how'd you get there? First I, first I started collecting poop. <laughs> so, uh, because I knew the answers were in the microbiome yeah. and I founded the Bio Collective with Dr. Jack Gilbert from the University of Chicago, who was one of the stars of the microbiome field and Dr. Suzanne Vernon, who had been studying chronic fatigue um, at the CDC for about 17 mm. years. And we saw these commonalities in the gut and started talking about how, you know, we 
we have disease classifications in this reductionist thinking, but really these are systemic problems mm -hmm. across the population that present in different ways. And we felt like the microbiome would be a way to get at that. So we started building a biobank of poop samples, basically fecal samples from the broader population. But of course, because of my interest in Parkinson's, you know, I was connected with a lot of patient groups and Parkinson's people were inter interested mm -hmm. in participating. So I ended up collecting, you know, probably one of the larger Parkinson's cohorts over the course of time and some people with multiple samples. And we shared that data with uh, researchers at Caltech. We published a paper on researchers at University College Cork in Ireland, and mm -hmm. we started to um, do machine learning and um, identified some key biomarkers that um, we've done some presentations on, but I haven't presented. But one of the big epiphanies was uh, the people in our lab who processed the fecal samples could actually tell if a person had Parkinson's without any other information by looking at the stool that they were processing. Really? Because people with Parkinson's had sections of their stool that were the consistency of concrete, indicating a severe water homeostasis problem. And it was interesting because there's, I've never seen anything published on this. I've talked to a lot of Parkinson's researchers, but um, why water- they, Why wouldn't they make that a biomarker? Well, because well, maybe we're the only people who know about it and we haven't published it. Oh. Um, <laughs> You know, but um, well, uh, chronic constipation. Yeah, about seventy to eighty percent of people with Parkinson's they may have had chronic constipation for ten to fifteen years, mm -hmm. and or even longer. Um, so my husband John actually remembered back to his childhood when he was a toddler. His mother would have to bribe him to go number two. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that was an indication of, uh, you know, problem with bowel movements all the way back um, into his childhood. Did and you have constipation? No, I have not. No, that's the only thing, like, that's, because uh, I, I, I hear that a ton. Like, a lot of people, like, at the gym, you know, we, we actually talked about doing a, an episode on constipation and how different people have tried to get relief because it's, it's horrible. Um, I mean, the, honestly, the only time I ever had it was right after I had the twins, but that's normal after having kids. Um, right. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. But yeah, I mean, it, and it, IBD or, you know, um, so there, Malu Tanzi is a, a Parkinson's researcher at the University of Florida who's an immunologist. Um, and she studies also IBD because about a third of the people who have IBD will go on to develop Parkinson's. And so it can be, intermittent alternating constipation with diarrhea mm -hmm. or it can be diarrhea or it can be constipation hmm. but definitely some issues with water homeostasis so as we were collecting these samples and starting to have these um, insights i went to the world parkinson's congress in portland in 2016 and at that time john had been under a lot of stress and was not doing as well. Mm -hmm. um, so he was having trouble walking. He was freezing more. His gait was freezing more. He was having trouble navigating crowds. 
and um, I saw the researchers or the people from Clinic Crowd um, who were presenting the research on the sugar alcohol mannitol and its ability to stop the aggregation of the proteins in a mouse model and actually pull them out of the brain. Um, and I came back from that and bought a mannitol chemistry book and started looking at mannitol chemistry. And okay, saw, what's that? What's I'm sorry? What's mannitol? Mannitol is a sugar alcohol. Oh. So it's actually the most abundant sugar in nature. In it's highly present in plants, especially plants that are under osmotic stress. So again, back to that water homeostasis. So, you know, things like a watermelon or um, a cactus, uh, anything that's got that sort of gel mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, needs to hold water in a drought situation will have more celery, has more mm -hmm. uh, mantle. And so I started looking at it and the um, there were a, a handful of bacteria, just a few bacteria that actually make mannitol from glucose and fructose. And I also knew from my many, well, from my husband and also from many Parkinson's meetings I had attended that uh, a lot of people with Parkinson's are sugar addicts. Hmm. And, um, are you? You know, I don't think I'm... I've ever been to a Parkinson's meeting that didn't have donuts. Oh, M &Ms. God. Melissa, don't say anything. <laughs> and I mean, I, I actually kind of got to the point where when I went to these things, I started scolding people <laughs> and and scolding because, you know, sugar is uh, feeds inflammation and yeah. is poison, basically. Um, so we shouldn't take sugar as giving somebody we love like we use sugar to represent love, which it really isn't. Mm -hmm. So remember that on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Give them a vegetable. But um, <laughs> vegetable. anyway, um, so I I had a uh, advisor and friend who also shared lab space with me, who was a fermentation chemist, um, who had come from the human probiotics business, and he was working on antibiotics in animal feed and mm -hmm. stuff, trying to get get that out using probiotics. And so I sat down with him, and um, we came up with the formula to try for John, which it ultimately became the one of the main formulas we sell. Um, and within a month, we were measuring John's microbiome, but within a month of taking it, it was obvious. He wasn't walking with a cane anymore. He what you know, his facial expression was back. Hmm. Um, it, I mean, it, it had, it was remarkable. And um, so we started sharing it with other people and with not Parkinson's people, just anybody. And mm -hmm. all these people are like, oh, this is great. So, I mean, we sort of sold it, but really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. We we're mostly just making it for John and friends. And mm -hmm. then um, when COVID came along, um, we had finished up a big grant we had with the NIH and we were concerned about collecting fecal samples anymore and exposing our people in the lab to that. Mm -hmm. So we shut down that operation and said, okay, let's go for it with the probiotics because, you know, we have this concept of how to restore gut function with, we had developed at that time, these concepts for 20 different formulas. We have about, we have five of them right now, mm -hmm. but, um, and we brought the uh, products to market in 2021 and um 
we've done we have not done a clinical trial in Parkinson's, but about that same time, it's kind of interesting. Uh, more research started coming out on Parkinson's in the gut. Mm-hmm. More, and of course, I've been following it. There, if you go to PubMed, the number of papers on Parkinson's yep. in the gut is just like a. It's crazy. Yeah, because after we talked um, the first time that we met, I I was searching like a ton on on gut health. And I already like it's something that I, I we everybody knows. I feel like your your immune system or, you know, everything brain health, like it all starts with the gut. One of the things that I wanted to, to talk about and, um, and and tell people is that I thought was really interesting um, is the glyphosate is that did i remember that correctly so glyphosate is a what is it i'm sorry i like i remember the name and i remember it's bad and your probiotic helps break it down yeah so um glyphosate and glyphosate based herbicides are um so that's what they spray on the field uh for the gmo corn and the gmo soil that kills all the weeds but the plants have been engineered to take it and it it affects, um, you know, plants that haven't, or weeds, and mm-hmm. also um, it affects um, bacteria. And of course, the bacteria in our gut are what are making uh, vitamins, hormones, neurotransmitters, and many of those are in something called the shikimate pathway that is affected by glyphosate. And uh, so you can't make all these molecules downstream because the bacteria aren't there uh, to make those molecules for you. And so one of the things I was looking for was a a strain of bacteria that could break down glyphosate without producing something called the AMPA, which is more toxic to the brain. So many bacteria can break it down partially, Mm -hmm. but they'll they'll produce this molecule called the AMPA, which is even more toxic to the brain than glyphosate. What were you gonna say? So what's, I guess, what's the difference between maybe the supplements you make and like what I could just go to the local pharmacy or Kroger's and get for as far as, because probiotics are, is a key, is a hot word, I think, anymore within the pharmaceutical dietary it supplement. Is, uh, it is a, um, a hot word. So there are three large commercial producers of probiotic strains. So one is uh, Danesco, which is a uh, connected with DuPont. Um, another is a company called Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen was recently bought by Novozymes. And uh, the other is a uh, Swedish company called Proby. So mo- if you go into a grocery store, most of the probiotics there will be getting all of their strains from one or two of those large producers, and they'll all be the same. So the strains are not particularly different. And they're um, usually like only one, maybe two, whereas you've actually you've combined uh, certain like you have lactobacillus, which I think lactobacillus is the most popular. I would at least from what I would know from from things that I see. Um, but you have like in this that I have the simple slumber here with me. Um, and there's a it's it's a proprietary blend. So there's one, two, three, four. Is there five? Is that right? And then uh, and then so we, yeah, we have some that are proprietary to us uh-huh. that we actually 
isolated and went through all the work to to um, do the what's called generally regarded as safe mm -hmm. work. Um, and uh, we also use a computational model that allows us to predict how the bacteria work together in a system, what they use and produce and how they help each other. Mm -hmm. So we were looking to produce mannitol. We combined a team of microbes that actually are synergistic and they produce, they break down more of the glucose and fructose to produce mannitol as a team than they would individually. And so we're designing working teams. So like the sleep formula, we designed to make bacterial melatonin and tryptophan, mm -hmm. which helps uh, helps with sleep. So, uh, and there are some people starting to think about that. And there are some groups with proprietary strengths. There's another uh, company called Neurally uh, that has uh, come out of Korea and they've done a number of clinical trials in Parkinson's actually. Mm. And they have a single strain of Lactobacillus plantarum. Um, and they're actually, I think, doing a U.S. clinical trial. Um, and I've been talking to, uh, I have a donor um, that I would like to get to help fund a, a Parkinson's clinical trial. Mm -hmm. You know, Parkinson's is tricky because it's such a, you know, my husband calls it a designer disease. People have a lot of, you know, this, that, or the other sort of symptoms. And it's not a homogenous group, really. Yeah. So endpoints, you know, deciding kind of what the endpoint is. But we did a we did a diabetes clinical trial, and one of the things I wanted to measure there um, was serum lipopolysaccharide. So that is actually serum LPS is an inflammatory marker, and what was so interesting to me, a hundred percent of the people who took the product showed a reduction in LPS. And there is an LPS Parkinson's animal model and there's an LPS diabetes Parkinson's animal model. Okay. So they're using these uh, cell wall components of gram negative bacteria, which is what this LPS is, to make a mouse get Parkinson's-like symptoms or make a mouse get diabetes-like mm -hmm. symptoms. So uh, and even in our um, diabetes clinical trial, it, there is some translation because it lowers LPS, but I think if you did a Parkinson's clinical trial, I don't know if, you know, most people don't think about LPS being a biomarker in Parkinson's. And it's interesting, um, blood work is very rarely done at the neurologist. Mm -hmm. I, I think it would be interesting to uh, get a cohort of people with Parkinson's and uh, test their um, serum LPS because um, E. coli is mm -hmm. uh, one of the uh, gram-negative bacteria that can produce that, and mm -hmm. that's implicated in some of the other microbiome research with Parkinson's. So how many strands of probiotics are there in the world? Like, is that a known, is there? Uh, I, you know, it's it's a in my opinion, an infinite okay. number because um, fermented foods, which we used to eat a long time ago, people, that's the only way they had to preserve foods. And mm -hmm. so we ate a lot of wild fermented uh, things. Mm -hmm. So we weren't buying a culture starter at the store. We were getting a wild fermentation from the natural bacteria on the plants or 
in the air to to make our breads or on the grains. And so um, there are trillions of probiotic organisms, but there are only a handful that, you know, there's probably, I have a document somewhere. I mean, there might be 200 or so that are approved for okay. grass status. How's your husband doing now? And is he, does he take medications on top of the probiotics or what is his regimen? Yes. So, but he has, um, so I would say back in 2017, he was taking um, about four drugs, I think, at that time. Mm -hmm. So he was taking Cinemat, he was taking Mirapex, he was taking um, one of the MAO inhibitors, I can't remember which one, and he was taking Amantadine. Mm -hmm. And he now only takes um, the Cinemat. Okay. So that's the medication he's on. But he, and so he started taking the probiotic and... I mean, it's, uh, you know, I tell people, it's not like the magic cure, mm -hmm. but uh, over the course of a year of taking it, his UPDR score dropped from a 35 to a 20. And it, I don't know if you're familiar with how, the, but the higher the number, the yeah. more advanced Parkinson's right. is. So it dropped down to a 20 and it stayed stable at a 20 until he had COVID at the end of 2021. Mm. And it was pretty severe. Mm -hmm. And um, so he's been kind of making his way back from that. Mm -hmm. And he's much, much better. But he's still not 100% back to where he was before yeah. having COVID. And there's, a, you know, a lot of interesting inflammatory things going on with Parkinson's and uh, COVID that have, you know, some crossover. Hmm. And I think they're starting to see more people diagnosed with Parkinson's. Yeah as well i um so i started taking these back in december or actually in november early december which was perfect timing my sister always would tell me to take probiotics because you know just from like a health standpoint and not getting sick and i just never was diligent about it but so after i had a conversation with martha i did and the um so two things that i've noticed one both my kids were sick like I swear the entire month of December, entire month of January. And of course, what do they love to do? Hang on mom when they're sick, even though they're teenagers. And I knock on wood, I didn't get sick at all. So I'm like, okay. So I know like, because again, it's, it's helpful for that as well. Actually, there's three things. So that's one. Two, I've always been, I know you're gonna love talking about this. I've always been very regular when I go to the bathroom. <laughs> I've never had an issue really with constipation except that one time, but this like i don't want to say made me more regular but i think you're supposed to go like a couple times a day and um you know i would i i thought normal was just like once a day or every other day and now i'm like nope i and it's and i, I can just tell that difference and then the third That's good to know <laughs> we're an open book here it's okay safe space um and then this one, the simple, so I take the um, sugar shift. Is that what it's called? That's the daytime one I take. Um, yeah, sugar shift. And then at night I take, it's called simple slumber. And, um, and I still like, so my issue was I was waking up at one o'clock, three o'clock. And a lot of times I, I could not fall back asleep. No matter how much melatonin I was taking, what I was doing, drinking tea, um, 
going to bed early, going to bed late, whatever it may be. So when I take these at this at night, um, I find myself, I have, I will wake up at three and then I fall right back asleep. Like maybe not every time, but it was like every day I was staying awake. Yeah. Whereas now I'm not. And this is the only thing that I changed. So. so tryptophan metabolism also is disrupted by the glyphosate. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things, I started looking at this 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, um, there were just really cotton, cotton, uh, soy, and corn uh, that had glyphosate on them. Mm-hmm. And that market has grown substantially because now they use it to uniformly dry crops at the end of harvest, which actually leaves more of the glyphosate on the crop. So there are 60 crops that now use glyphosate to dry down the crop. And that's oats, that's uh, lentils, chickpeas, um, really all of the grains. Um, so any any sort of crop where you know they're drying the plant at the end, they're using that. They also use it in um, the wine industry. So most of the, uh, so the moms across America actually did testing of, they did blind testing of, uh, I can't remember, there was 10 or 20 different wine brands mm-hmm. and, you know, found glyphosate in the wine. Um, it's, it is, you know, it's in the food. Oh, and um, it's, I think what we talked about, or at least what I read after this, um, and I did a bunch of research is, it's just it's in the water it's in the air because it's just it's so abundant and it's so it's almost like because i thought like okay what what should i start eating how can i start like what can i start changing and there are things that you can change but at the end of the day it's in our environment so that's why having like the a probiotic to help fight off that there's also there's a um zach bush Mm -hmm. um, is a doctor who makes a product called ion and he's done some research and I think he's looking to do a Parkinson's clinical trial hmm. also where you um, drink the ion right before you eat. And I think the mechanism is it closes the tight junctions in the gut hmm. and um, then uh, keeps some of that uh, cellular debris from passing over into the bloodstream. So. Um, and I always recommend to people if they want to learn about glyphosate, there's um, a researcher from MIT, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, um, and she wrote a book that came out a couple of years ago called Toxic Legacy, and that really is about her her tremendous amount of work over the last two decades in uncovering all the different mechanisms, and she has a lot of very deep science on mm-hmm. um the implications in Parkinson's also. Well, this the, this this was very educational for me. I don't know. Yeah, no. Because you, lo- I mean, again, like we talked about gut health not too long ago. Not just your stomach growling, but more than that. More than that. Um, well, the glyphosate will kill. Um, it kills about fifty percent of the gut bacteria that you have are sensitive to glyphosate. So wow. if you're losing that diversity and all, you know, and your B vitamins are made in the gut. There's lots of evidence mm-hmm. that uh, deficiency of B vitamins is a problem in Parkinson's. So that loss of that gut diversity and, you know, that constant exposure to an antibiotic, um, yeah, you know, it 
it has long-term implications, right. but there, there are things you can do about it. So, so with, what's your, like, before we close out, like, what's your, um, uh, like, hope for the, for your company for the future, which we didn't actually talk about what your company is called, um, the Biota Quest, right? Biota Quest, yes. Biota Quest. So, like, where, where, is, where do you see this going? And can people like I know they can access it, so we'll have a we'll have a link to the website, um, or at least show people like where they can purchase this. But um, are your hopes to connect with other researchers or uh, other manufacturers to talk about like is this a biomarker for the stool that you, that you had, or you know these probiotics? How do we get them in neurologist hands? Because it's like when you leave it up to people and like oh just go get a probiotic, it's like. I don't know what to do. And so, but when neurologists tell you what to do, you feel like, okay, now I know what my plan is. Right. Well, it is interesting. I do have some neurologists that found me and found my work and recommend to their all their new patients. Okay. Um, you know, for me, like one of my missions is saving the world from glyphosate and saving people from ever getting Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. So I feel like uh, if people can start to take care of their guts and understand the implications of what's going on in the food supply, then they can, if, if they have chronic constipation, mm -hmm. you know, years before they might get a Parkinson's diagnosis, they could start to address that yeah. and start to understand between their diet and taking a probiotic like this that can help break down the glyphosate or, you know, looking at other things that can help um, remove the toxic heavy metals or mm -hmm. things that are in the food that they um, would have a better outcome, that yeah. they might not ever get Parkinson's or that they would certainly have a much better outcome if they don't know this information and they don't have these tools. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this, I just, I, I'm so interested all the time when I hear, especially when it's I don't want to say natural, but it's it's more than just like you know giving us another drug to mask something. It's like okay, this is helping me as a whole person. Like I said, it just it helped hopefully keep me healthy when my kids were sick or different things like that. But um, I'm gonna get you some. I I had somebody today I was talking to um, about how sugar shift works and he said I think Martha what it's doing is helping to restore the factory settings in the gut and so I was like oh I like that that is good I mean because honestly like at the end of the day you need to to yeah. explain to people no it, it makes sense definitely restore the factory settings I'm typing that out okay what crisper oh <laughs> not crisper not crisper <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Um, I'll leave. I'll do 30 seconds. 30, 30 14, What do I 10, say? I always forget what I seconds. say. In our last 30 seconds, uh, I'll leave you with this. Um, I really do like how Martha said uh, having probiotics in your life is just like really restoring your body to the factory settings. Um, so take a look at, um, at the site that, we're, that we've shared and um, take a look at probiotics, see what's right for you. Talk to your doctor. Martha, you want to say something? Well, we do have a Parkinson's uh, discount code. It's Parky, oh. P-A-R-K-Y, and people with Parkinson's get 25% discount. That is so sweet. Okay, we'll put that on there. Thank you so much. So that's a great last 30 seconds. Uh, we'll put Parky in the, in the 
coup what is it discount discount um so everybody can at least try it and i say i highly recommend it and but just like your medication you have to be diligent about it morning and night however it's told on the label to use it so thank you very much and we'll see you all next time the secret life of parkinson's is produced by melissa carlson and steve brandenburg to contact us email info at thesecretlifeofpd.org The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not responsible or liable for any medical advice, diagnosis, course of treatment, or any other information obtained through this podcast. The information provided by The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast. You are encouraged to consult a physician for a definitive diagnosis.